Hello and welcome to Brain Trust Live number 437. This week on the podcast, feeling helpless post-ops, Carla Nordstrom joins us with a list of action items that will help you sow the seeds of chaos. And Sri Lankans hold the pool party of the summer during their palace coup extravaganza. This is why you shouldn't hold coups during January. Plus, Baloney has a first name. It's P-A-T-S-Y. And everything is the left's fault. End of quote. Repeat the line. Democrats spend their primary season doing what they do best, electing Republicans. And COVID. It's on you. We'll have all this and more. This is Brain Trust Live. Hey, y'all, I'm Brent. I'm Lila. You can find us on the web at www.brentjustlive.com. Uh, I forgot who's going to do y'all. I was planning it, and I almost warned you, but then I didn't. <laughs> anyway, we have one of our most frequent returning guests uh-huh. with us today to chat about Ro, my mother, Carla Nordstrom. Welcome back to the podcast, Mom. Thank you. Thanks. Welcome. Um, did you... I can't believe you were able to hold it together when Brent said, y'all, I'm the only person on earth who just can't take, I can't, I can't not giggle. When she just expects me to do something folksy. I know. <laughs> it's so folksy, you're right. That's the problem. Um, in any case, uh, what a, what a two weeks it's been. <laughs> um, and most of the uh, most pressing news of the last few days, we're just going to run through real quick at the top because that's. That's not, listen, we're not here to talk the about... The world is getting turnt right now. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody is really going for it in... Yeah. In all the around ways. Around the world. We're yeah. not here normally to talk about international news, but as you may know, there are a number of international news stories right. that require some referencing, I think. Right. As you heard from all of the interviews with Benny Hill playing in the background. <laughs> That's right. Boris Johnson resigns. <laughs> And for a full 24 hours, I was under the impression that a cat named Larry was the Prime Minister of Britain because I just saw nothing but memes of a cat named Larry giving a press conference outside of 10 Downing Street. I later learned that those were photoshopped and that Larry is just a cat that lives at 10 Downing Street but is not at any point going to be the Prime Minister, which was disappointing to me, at least. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, we, uh, we, we had an exciting movie star cameo on Twitter that... Uh, well, yeah, who was it? Oh, Hugh Grant, wasn't Hugh Grant it? Isn't was, he the one who yeah, like, it was told Hugh the Grant. protesters to play Benny Hill until all the interviews that were being done outside of Downing Street were <laughs> at Benny Hill? Yes. <laughs> the, the so we can thank Hugh Grant for one of the greatest trolls of uh, the last few days. Yeah. We had a political assassination in Japan. Shinzo Abe, and I love, by the way, the New York Times has so lost the plot that they, when they um, reported on this, they reported that a gun had been fired and Shinzo Abe had collapsed, but did not connect those two events, <laughs> their initial headline. And so that's how uh, ubiquitous gun violence is in America, is that the New York Times has lost the, has, has lost the, uh, the plot in terms of what, what the results of gun violence are. Um, yeah. It was also a homemade gun, because there's like no guns homemade in Japan. Gun, I know. Wow. Have you seen any pictures of the gun? The gun looks like it's being held together with duct tape. It's so weird looking. Um, very oh. unlike the guns that were used on the July 4th shootings that happened all over America. Oh my God. I know. A lot of people lost the plot on that too because like, look, I mean, it, I'm against political assassinations sure. just generally. But a lot of people then sort of like took to Twitter Hillary Clinton. And if you want to know anything about Shinzo Abe, read Hillary Clinton's tweet and then assume the exact opposite in yes. every instance. She's a person who doesn't really know how to like uh, to memorialize someone no. properly. Well, she, she does just... know how to memorialize an evil person properly. <laughs> right. She doesn't know how to memorialize a complicated right. person this properly. This was like a similar moment to like when she was like, Nancy Reagan was like great 
for people who with AIDS. <laughs> like, right. Essentially, like, right? I mean, like, because Shinzo Abe was, like, a known, like, not great person, like, toward yeah. women and was a, sort of a nationalist. And, like, I'm not saying, like, he was all bad, necessarily. Well, we're, he's not like, saying that because he doesn't understand enough about Japanese politics <laughs> no, to know that. Nor do, nor do I. No. But anyway, That's, you know. Yeah, but a political um, assassination in Japan where they've had three gun deaths this year, which is the number that we had probably in the last hour, is a real turn yeah. of events. Yeah. Um, and then the Sri Lankan people, I think, really um, came to troll America <laughs> in a unique way this week because they decided to overthrow their government and <laughs> decided to, you know, go to the presidential palace and, like, throw some shit around. Yeah. And then they just basically had, like, a giant pool party in yeah, the presidential pool. Selfies. pool. Right. <laughs> they're taking pool selfies. Yeah. And then tweeting about how that they're they're at a pool party overthrowing the government. Yeah. And, and they did, because the, right. the president and the prime minister are both resigning. By the way, the prime minister elected in May. <laughs> a, short, so, a short tenure, an unsuccessful tenure. Didn't have a great tenure. go at it. Yeah, that but guy. But let that be a lesson about when the right time of year to... Try coups is. <laughs> I know. I mean, a January coup seems so poorly planned but and so the, lame. There's no pool at the Capitol, though. I mean... There's a pool probably somewhere, probably in the, somewhere. on the grounds. Yeah, you think the president gym, never right? swims? There's a gym. Yeah, He's, that's true. The, the, the Capitol definitely has pools, because remember yeah. when Rand Paul had COVID and was swimming in the Senate pool anyway? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Rand Paul tried to give everyone COVID Yeah, that's at right. The pool. We probably did give yeah. some people COVID. So they fact. definitely have pools at the yeah. Capitol. Listen... I don't know much about what's going on in Sri Lanka. Sure don't. I mean, if I don't know what's going on in Japan or Britain, I certainly don't know what's <laughs> going on in Sri Lanka. However, I will say that in the very limited reading I did on this, apparently what everybody is mad at is that the economy has collapsed. So you mm. would be mad about that. They That's don't upsetting. have they can't pay for fuel or food. So like literally people are like starving, don't have gas. Um but I did see, you know, the UN is calling this a quote imminent humanitarian crisis. Um, and apparently they are negotiating right now with the IMF to get an amount of money that is $4 billion that would apparently solve this crisis. Oh, just a, so, a cool $4 billion. While I don't necessarily think it's our job to just be giving everyone money, I, I would say that we've it's given... It's more our job than giving that money to bombs, which is what say, we normally spend $4 million on. We've given that money 100 times over to Ukraine in the last three weeks, probably. So it seems like if that could just sort of like save a countries collapse. Then it also like maybe, seems like maybe collectively the well, entire Western say. world could to get together us, and get $4 like, billion. Dollars. If Sri Lanka is going to the IMF and being like, can we have $4 billion so our people don't like starve to death, then like maybe you just give it to them. <laughs> yeah. I, again, though, we're a country without baby formula. So oh, maybe maybe we we're all starving to death too. And it would take more than $4 billion. And yeah. it's hard to know what's going on. Yeah. Um, and that is... As always, as is always the case, true with the jobs numbers as well. <laughs> <laughs> because, listen, it the jobs numbers sounded great this month. Sure. I mean, those are some quality jobs sounded numbers. Sounded great last two months also, but we revised those down yeah. 75,000. Right. I think that we had totally months. solved any economic issues that the crisis had, uh, that the pandemic had caused, uh, according to various people giving speeches around town on television a few months ago and mm -hmm. I think every month they decide that it's even more solved and then every month we decide that it is solved now but last month it wasn't solved. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. We added 372,000 jobs. Why are we reporting that to you? We don't know. We don't believe these figures. We report no. them religiously every month. But people were we immediately like, oh, well now we don't have to be quite as concerned about a recession. But it's like, really? <laughs> I feel like if we... Here's the thing. I'm now also, getting the jobs concerned. Also, numbers don't actually have anything to do with the recession. Of course the not. The recession is due with like 
the actual growth of the economy like over yeah. a certain number of quarters or something like that. It's like I'm also um, worried given the steps that we're taking to try to stave off a recession that maybe being not in a recession isn't going to be that great well, either. Well, we're going to talk about that. Cuz we're about to yeah, we're going to talk about that in a little bit as well. But it seems like the it's it's really a Sophie's choice situation <laughs> being in a recession or not a recession given right. the way that they're trying to resolve right. the recession well, you right can, now. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can be in a recession which is bad or you can solve the recession by making sure everyone is poor and that's also bad yes right that that's not a sign a real, of a functioning economy real lose lose <laughs> real situa- lose situation lose. we've got ourselves into here anyway you guys let's gossip <clears throat> yeah there were hearings two weeks ago when we could have recorded this podcast <laughs> um but the the hearing that we did not get to talk about was really the biggest blockbuster hearing of the entire hearing season so far mm-hmm. and we have two more hearings this week one on Tuesday morning that my mother's going to have to tell us about because it's at 7 a.m. our time, and Ugh. we're obviously not watching that. And one on Thursday afternoon. Good. But let's, let's in case anyone missed what was so exciting about the hearing of just before July 4th, which was Cassidy Hutchinson, um, who, was a, the, who was an aide to the White House, Mark Meadows' aide, um, who gave, like, the most bombastic... <laughs> gave us the most bombastic bombastic tale of January 6th right. that we uh, had heard so far yeah. um, and has been corroborated now by Patsy Seems Bologna like himself, it sounds like. Yep. Um, in any case, let's begin with how this all happened. She was somebody who had testified a few times in private for them, and we'd seen a couple of clips at previous hearings yeah. of her testimony. But she had been getting leaned on by Trump world recently and so she changed lawyers and went to go um she suddenly started being represented by someone who's very close to jeff sessions which says mm. to me that sessions world has uh turned mm. which i guess we knew but we like really yeah. know now and um so in order to avoid further witness tampering they had her do a public on the record hearing so good which was so entertaining and so good so many insane revelations in her <laughs> testimony um plenty of GOP favorites were mentioned for knowing that there was a plan to have like a violent coup that day, essentially, and trying to get the White House on board. Yeah, well, that's what was so crazy about this is because we'd heard a lot of testimony and a lot of it had been very interesting, some of it bombastic, but we really hadn't heard any like in the room details from the actual day and and the days leading up to it. And she was in all the rooms. She was in communication with all the people. She was talking to, she was talking to Pat Cipollone. She was talking to, she worked for Mark Meadows. So like she, she knew what was going on on those days. And that's really, those were the details that we didn't yet know. And they were wild. And we should note also that from now on, we will be calling Pat Cipollone, Patsy Baloney on this podcast. We will be writing that in written form. We will be saying it in spoken form. (laughs) Closed captioning knew us better than we knew ourselves in that in yeah. that hearing, and so that's yeah. um, that's that's how it's going to be from now on. Yeah. Um, in any case, I was obviously texting both Brent and my mom mm-hmm. for the entire uh, length of this hearing, but um, some of the revelations included the news that Trump had tried to get like the metal detectors removed from the rally he was speaking at because... That they knew there were weapons. They knew there were high-powered weapons there because, well, it's like you can also even just make an informed decision without having eyes, knowing that a Trump gathering will have um, high-powered weaponry. Well, he knew that he said specifically that... But his security told him. Right, well, right. And he also said that they weren't there to harm him. 
Right. Like so, he was like, "Let's take." Right. He wanted the, the guns there away. because he knew what they were there for, essentially. Right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. They're not here to hurt me. No. As he uh, was quoted as saying by Cassidy Hutchinson, who, by the way, is like 25 years old. How is this? This is actually a question that I feel like I have for you, Mom, because you're somebody who used to do tours of the Capitol for kids. Like, I feel like one thing that has always shocked me in my own capacity as an advocate is the fact that, like, every single person who is making decisions on Capitol Hill is, like, a 22-year-old. <laughs> yeah. And I... Has that always just been... <laughs> is that how it's always been? Why I, is everyone so young there? Well, I think that, but also... I wonder what the thought that went through my mind during all that is the re- if the reason she was there in every place was because she was pretty. Yeah. And so it was like, of course, you're going to have the pretty young thing there, especially if Donald Trump is involved in it. I know. But- and they when, probably when, weren't when, taking her seriously, so they probably were saying all sorts of shit in front of her that they should not have yeah, said. Yeah. And it turned yeah. out she was listening to a lot of it. Right. Well, that was honestly one of the things that I thought when Trump sort of after the fact tried to sort of like play it off as though he didn't know who she was. And it's like, yes, you did, sir. Yeah. <laughs> because, because she was the pretty young woman no in the question. room. So like, yeah. you knew who she was. You knew what her name was. You'd talked to her before. You'd probably been highly inappropriate with her. He probably touched before. her at times that he shouldn't have. Exactly. Which yeah. is any time. And yeah. also, yeah. you know, she was a woman, so she was dumb. She wasn't going to understand all this stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah she and was in like a world of misogynistic assholes. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not not just Trump. I'm assuming in in that oh, White House. I, yeah. No. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's I. Something tells me that Mark Meadows and Rudy Giuliani are not no. <laughs> are not great feminists. No. <laughs> um, but so in any case, so she was oh, so she was witness to, like, just every dumb thing that got said on January sixth, basically, because she was, she was in the room for all of it. Um, and so she also, I think. We're about to start to see some uh, lines form in Trump world in, in part based on this testimony, because that's, you know, Patsy Baloney also testified this week in front of the in front of the committee. He corroborated for, like eight hours. for eight hours. He corroborated a lot of what she said. That's all we really know about his testimony so far. But I think that this really painted some clear lines in the same way that like the testimony about what was going on with Pence at that time painted some clear lines about who did and did not break the law. And the people that did not break the law are going to start coming forward because they don't want to be indicted. And the people that didn't break the law are going to start trying to throw wrenches into things. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, she she uh, she she said that Patsy Baloney had been the one to be like, you know, we cannot let Trump go to the Capitol. Right, don't let them go to the Capitol. Don't. Because he wanted to he and wanted. thought he was going. Yes, exactly. And, and that's and when he found out that he wasn't going was when he... When he a, threw a, his a, hilarious tantrum. Well, he threw a tantrum. He attacked a Secret Service person yeah. who wasn't driving him to the Capitol. Yes. Um, yeah, no, and this is all because Pat, Patsy Baloney basically said, we're going to be charged with every crime imaginable yeah. if we let this happen so we can't let this happen. Right. And so... The other, so the, um, the, the person who relayed the Secret Service story was Tony Ornato, who was the head of security for the Trump White House. He's an unreliable source on almost everything, but this story has been corroborated by the other people that were actually involved. But after the fact, because basically what she said was that, you know, Trump had tried to grab the steering wheel of, 
which is such a funny image. Can you imagine Trump like like a toddler, like trying to ju- trying to dive into the front seat to grab the steering wheel of his fancy with, car with his tiny hands, with his tiny <laughs> hands. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then trying to choke a Secret Service agent because they won't let him go and be part of a coup. I know. Um, but Tony Ornato is somebody who then tried to say that he had never said any of this. That's been, they, there's been sort of like a disinformation campaign in the aftermath of her um, of her testimony. And basically every reporter on Capitol Hill was like, oh, Tony, Tony Ornato lies. <laughs> there's just been nothing but updates about how he lies. Yeah. But then also she said Trump had threw his lunch at his staff when he got back because he was so upset. She walked into his office and there was ketchup on the walls. <laughs> Which is of course there was. He was probably having. He was probably eating an overdone steak with ketchup. Obviously, <laughs> it was like a hamburger that was like rock hard. <laughs> he threw the ketchup smeared. I know exactly what happened. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but also, Mark Meadows really in the hot seat here. Oh, just savaged in that testimony. Because I he just mean, sat there. He just sat on his phone, scrolling his phone, didn't do anything. As everyone was just breaking the law around him. He was just like, we got to break the law, I guess. I don't know. Like, he didn't have any plan to stop the law breaking. Um, So in any case, this is testimony that was not only, you know, highly uh, destructive to the to to uh, to numerous figures in the Trump White House, but also highly entertaining to anyone who enjoys a story about a throne sandwich or somebody, you know, trying to choke a Secret Service agent in a car. Yeah, I know. Carla, you're like a a professional hearings watcher. So I'm told. What, what? Tell us your just like overall thoughts of this specific hearing. Well, I, I, it was really, it was riveting. It was totally riveting. It was. She was a fantastic witness, and that's yeah. I think one of the things that I've found through most of the hearings is the witnesses have been so good and so clear yeah. and and so um, you know and just telling their story. Um, but in, I mean, none of it surprised me. I mean, we know that Trump has, you know, has, has always had tantrums. We know he wants to do. What I found fascinating is that first people were saying, well, the reason he wanted to go to the Capitol was so he could have a photo op. But then people started to say, no, he wanted to lead his troops into the Congress. And if that isn't, you know, a a coup, I don't know what would right. be. Yeah. That's the definition of a coup. That's totally <laughs> the is. definition of a coup. Yeah. Um, so his people were trying to keep him from from uh, from doing that, I guess. And you know, they weren't to be trusted either. It's like, it's, no. it's wild how it took. Like there were, like we were only a few people away from having like an even bigger crisis. Just like a few Patsy Balonies away <laughs> from right. like yep. total destruction. Yeah, yeah. Right. that's you know every time that we hear this testimony, I'm just like shocked by how um, planned everything was. That's what I think has been the real like takeaway from all of these collectively is that I think like so many people just sort of like felt like that was just a bunch of bozos who like got on some weird social media site and decided to meet at the Capitol and then just like randomly somehow all hell broke loose. But like, clearly, no. No, it was a a highly planned event that Rudy Giuliani was buzzing about that morning. Right. And days before. They met met with these people the day before. Uh, um, So, yeah. Yeah. And another important review, how is this comparing to, what stage of Watergate are we at? How is this comparing to Watergate? 
I, I don't think we're at the, the Butterfield point yet. But the Butterfield okay. point in Watergate was when um, this man by the name of Butterfield, who worked for, for Nixon, got up and out of the blue, there was no warning that this was coming, said, oh, yeah, but everything was taped. And it was. Oh, uh, yeah. And that was the moment where, you know, I remember exactly where I was at that moment. Um, <laughs> and I think I don't think we're even quite there yet, because I think mm. that um, th that there is more to come. And there are a lot of people who, who are a part of the Trump world who who may never work again unless they become stars in this show. Yeah. And this is a this is a group of people that unlike I would say anyone in the Nixon administration really understand uh entertainment. Yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. They understand a surprise, you know, they they like a red herring, they like a surprise turn, they love a dramatic reveal. I mean, sure. if they Nixon famously bad at television. It's one of <laughs> one of the most famous qualities is how just like untelevision ready he was. So like this feels like it has the potential to be Watergate plus. Well, and you know. also the committee is much more aware of how you do that stuff. You know, they have special consultants and all of that to help oh, yeah, them totally. tell the story. But they're enjoying that part of it, clearly. Oh, it does seem like it, right? Yeah, yeah. When they go out <laughs> and, you know, they go and sneak out. And you're like, tomorrow night, they'll probably will be hearing from a few people. We'll have, we'll drop a few little bombs. And it's, it's uh, they, they are, are just, you know, it's, it's clear that they know they're doing a good job because they're doing it in a way that is good television. And, and they're willing to, you know, keep going with that. And that was different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there were people in the Watergate hearings like Sam Irving who were, who were just naturals at this kind of stuff. But I don't know that this crew has that natural ability, but boy, they they're they are into it. Well, I was the, like that the thing that was so surprising to me when I listened to Slow Burn was to learn about all of the good like the personalities that were involved in early water like Martha Mitchell kind of people because for years I had been like how did they make such good television out of Richard Nixon? <laughs> that we're we're talking about the least appealing man on the planet. Yeah, he was famously never, bad, but yeah. he was never he, he was, was never, never one of the people. Part of it, he was never one of the people. No, and in this case, we have one of America's great entertainers, Donald Trump, <laughs> as the opponent of what like they're really they have to come to play in a way that yeah. I don't think they would have had to during Watergate, just because they're competing with one of America's greatest entertainers. <laughs> Well, but and also, I, you know, to say that, that he wants to do it, too. He wants to mm. go. He, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised yes. at all if suddenly he turns out to be a surprise witness in it all. Because <laughs> well, I mean, Steve Bannon is about to fabulous be. ratings, you know. <laughs> I, I Totally. The ratings. Think of the ratings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's always the ratings. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I agree. The fact that he is willing to waive executive privilege for Steve Bannon, I think... Uh, the only reason that they, they want to do they that, want in on this ratings game. They want in on the ratings game, but also like Trump needs someone willing from Trump world to go and lie under oath and Steve Bannon's game for that. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. right? I mean like yeah, they need it, to tell their story now, which is made right. up. It's right. the right but, to fake story. But the that thing made up. is 
Steve Bannon is one of the most unappealing people there is. He is <laughs> How many shirts do you think take... he's going to wear to the right. hearing? I mean, <laughs> you know, and that's all anyone's going to be focused on are things like how many shirts, you know, yeah. he's wearing. But he, yeah. um, he is, everybody knows that he is not a, a you know, a truthful person and a, yeah. or a fair person. I also broker. don't think that he's as smart as he or Trump thinks he is. Yeah, he's yeah. not he's yeah. not smart enough to not accidentally either hang himself or hang Trump. I yeah. agree. Yeah. So yeah. like if they, if he had to sit through 8 hours of questioning, he would absolutely lose the thread at some point. I, right. He right. would have to also it's so much harder to not lose the thread when you're lying. <laughs> you know, right, Patsy exactly. Baloney right. could go and tell the truth because he was just verifying what the truth was. Right. Well, and that's exactly what he did, too. We don't know much about his testimony. We have been told that we're going to see some of it. It was taped. I'm excited. I'm excited to see it, too. I'm excited but, like, to see how close caption handles The only thing I think is... Adam Kinzinger was interviewed today and said that he yeah. didn't contradict anything that they had been yeah. told. Yeah. Which in itself is, even if we don't hear any of it, that it's in itself is pretty bombastic. I mean, it yeah, would be... Yeah, considering what we've been told so right. far. I mean, like, I'm assuming they asked him about every single point that Cassidy Hutchison shared about that day. And if he didn't contradict any of it, then that's wild. Because yeah. yeah. that's a real story. <laughs> that's a story. Yeah. That's yeah. a story. But yeah, I think the... Um, the fact that we're going to start, I think, to see a few Trump world people try to uh, mosey their way in because this has really been a pop culture bonanza. Yeah, somebody and they want to be in the conversation. I can't remember whether it was somebody from the Oath Keepers or one of those groups that was there oh, that yeah. day said that he would testify, but only if it was live. And that's obviously because he's like going to, to like lie. try and sell some sort of like wackadoo story. So yeah. it's like they're obviously not going to take him yeah. up on that. But no. like, um, I think you're right. It, it's been so the story has been so crazy. Like they're going to need to like. Tell respond. whatever they think theirs is. Yeah. I think the most interesting person to see whether he'll testify or not is uh, Mike Pence. Because yeah. well, he that's, I've been selling make, that theory. He could make his political career on this thing. He really you could. Know, he, he could become a real player in the presidential election if he got up in front of the American people and told them, you know, yeah. What's or right. at least to be remembered by history. I mean, I yes, think the, yeah. the party is so bonkers right now. Like, I don't know if it yeah. actually helps him in a presidential election or I not. Don't, I but, think it helps him um, more than not doing it. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah, because then he can at least sort of become the face of the Trump resistance. I well, think. He, it was, but he like, can become the hero. He's the yeah. one who'll be remembered as a hero. Yeah, yeah. And he'll, I, as my mom pointed out at the very beginning of all of this, the, the Cheneys don't wind up on the wrong side. of. They, they don't wind up holding the bag. So if the Cheneys are leading the charge to investigate this wing of the Republican Party, that's where the future of the party is. It depend, you know, I don't know how we'll get there. <laughs> Anything could happen on the way there. But I think that if you're somebody who's on the dinner party circuit, which Mike Pence is aspirationally on the dinner party circuit, yeah, but probably it hasn't actually been formally invited, <laughs> um, then you're probably looking for a way to maintain your dinner party relationships and... Uh, you know, I think it's clear where the dinner party circuit is headed. Jeff yeah. Sessions, genteel racist Jeff Sessions is off the case. You know, the Cheneys are off the case. I were the, the the Bill Bars of the world who kind of dabbled a little are off the case. Yeah. Like all of these people who had been sort of seduced into Trump world, um, who came off the dinner party circuit, mm -hmm. have since turned. Yeah. And like, if you are Mike Pence. And you look as boring as he does, and you have the dumbest face that is also difficult to remember, you know, if you're a person who suffers from any kind of face blindness, yeah. <laughs> um, then, you know, you're a person who has the most just sort of like vanilla 
appearance and um, and and sort of presence, yeah. you you need the dinner party circuit people. You're not going to make it in Trump world with that kind of a demeanor. No. He's a person who used a euphemism to describe something being crazy on January. You know, describe the the attempts. He, he called it rubber room stuff. The <laughs> the attempts to get him to overturn the election. That's that's like a that's like a Midwestern way of putting that. That's not a real. That's that's not Trump world. No. Trump world are from New York. They would say the real word. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's the person who that maybe that's our uh, Butterfield our Butterfield moment is when Mike Pence shows up. Because now I'm going to be obsessed with when we're having the Butterfield moment. Uh-huh. Now that you've mentioned that. Yeah. That's all I'll be able to think about. <laughs> well, that was the most exciting thing, hearing I ever saw. Where did John Dean fall in relationship to the Butterfield moment? Um, the Butterfield moment was so, because, you know, all of, this, all of this stuff was being said about whether it was true or not. And then suddenly. Oh, so it was like out. later. Yeah, it was late. It was very late. It was when everyone was starting to fall asleep in the in the whole process. And it woke people up like, you know, it just shot you shot out of your chair when you heard that. Yeah. Um, so we might be at the John Dean stage. I think we're stage. at the John Dean stage, but I don't think that Cassidy Hutchinson is the John Dean of this. I think someone else is going to come up. Gonna... Yeah, who actually is Maybe Patsy. It could be. It could be Patsy. Um, but it, I think that she she is just telling what she heard. We're yeah, going to sure, sure, sure. I think there's somebody who's going to be have actually been a part of those decisions that is going to then reveal even more. But who well, knows? that's what I. Th- I yeah. I mean, you've got to think that like, yes, whether it's Pence or whether it's maybe even Mark Meadows. I, yeah. I mean, like at a certain point, like some of these people who we now have information about how they were acting those days, you would think would talk in exchange for something, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, and that's what I think is probably like, that's when you're going to get some of the more, I mean, this was bombastic enough, but like some of the, like when you really hear some of these things, it's going to be because like somebody has decided to talk because they're willing to throw somebody some yeah, immunity of some further sort. up the chain, yeah. you know. Under yeah, the bus. but also we haven't seen any of them go to jail yet. No. And yeah, so do you think we, that we'll start to see people go to jail in the middle of all this? I th- yeah, I think we will. Um, I mean, you I'm know, ready. They they arrested John Eastman yeah. in his underwear the other day, apparently. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I mean you think about the people who went to jail in Watergate. The Attorney General, he wasn't. He had left, but John Mitchell. You know, Halderman, right. Ehrlichman, John Dean, a whole slew of them ended up going to jail. And with these people, some of them will end up in jail, too, because what they did was very, very yeah. bad. But yeah. they also are facing the fact that some of them will never work again. And they'll have to yeah. do like Colson did. Of, well, he went and found God and then, you know, he was he rehabilitated. <laughs> oh, they can start a cult. <laughs> They can say, well, they are in a cult, so that wouldn't be hard yeah, to do. Exactly. Well, they definitely might be going to jail because Georgia is coming for all of them right now. You guys, <laughs> my favorite part of all of this is just that Georgia is like has had it up to here with Trump world bullshit <laughs> and are coming for them however they can. They showed up at these January 6th hearings ready to play. Uh-huh. They are now, you know, issue. They've subpoenaed a, a gra- everyone. They've subpoenaed everyone <laughs> under the sun. Like Georgia has no interest right now in Donald Trump. And it's yeah. been glorious to watch. Yeah. Also, so, I don't think anyone wants to be in Fannie Willis's, you know, 
Right, yes. I, 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 you know, you don't want her her eyes on you because that is, she is one serious woman, and <laughs> I think she's gonna she's gonna she may be the star of this whole thing because yeah, that's there. So the Fulton County Fulton County has a special grand jury that subpoenaed Giuliani. They subpoenaed John Eastman and Jenna Ellis. They've subpoenaed a few other. Didn't they subpoena Lindsey Graham? Yes. So they <laughs> yeah they subpoenaed Lindsey Graham because he um. He uh, had calls with the, with the Secretary of State about rejecting absentee ballots. He was called in to try to convince uh, Dana, what's his nuts, to, um, to, reject the, to reject absentee ballots. Oh, sure. Um, so he got called in. And then there were a bunch of other lawyers. Like there was a lawyer who was on the phone during that famous phone call with Raffensperger oh, and Trump. She's been subpoenaed. Um, the, the, uh, the person who introduced that supposed video of uh, voter fraud at State Farm Arena. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that guy's been, that, that woman's been subpoenaed. Um, and then uh, the Georgia chair of the Republican Party, because that was, he was helping enact a secret plan to elect the, you know, a fake slate of electors. He's been oh, subpoenaed. Sure. Like, Georgia is just ready to rumble right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm loving that for them. Yeah. And specifically, like, Atlanta is just like, no to this. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. to this. Like, yeah. not interested. Yeah, I'm, I love the idea that Lindsey Graham has been subpoenaed by another southern state for his role <laughs> in election fraud. Like, Lindsey Graham somehow gets himself wrapped up in all of the worst things. It's the death of John McCain has really not been kind <laughs> to him. <laughs> I now realize that John McCain was who was keeping him in check all that time. God. Without John McCain. This is Lindsey Graham without John McCain. Bad decision central. Mm-hmm. The man hasn't made one good decision since John McCain died. I didn't realize John McCain was essentially two senators. <laughs> but here we are. Yep. It's wild. In any case, oh, man. that's what's going on. The hearings this week should be fun because hearings are always fun. Yeah. And also, it feels like we're now getting to the territory where like new information is starting to get dropped su- yeah. by surprise because the committee has had people come forward to them. And like yeah. that's Well, and I'm assuming that we're going to at least see or hear some of the... Um, uh, oh, the Patsy Baloney testimony, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I'm very excited to hear what ends up happening with Steve Bannon because I'm curious how they're going to handle... Like, I have been wondering for a long time, you know, they made a decision to try not to participate in these and then it's making them look foolish and yeah. I could have told them that would happen, but whatever. <laughs> um, but because unlike traditional Republicans, these people are just like such outrageous hams, yeah. I have been wondering how they were going to worm their way back into the spotlight. Yeah. Because obviously they're not, they're literally going to let a congressional hearing about them get 20 million viewers and they're not going to participate. Like that's <laughs> right. not what they're going to do. That's not who these people are. No, I'm um, excited for that because like. So listen, I think he's not going to be the last one. I've got, I've got a lot of things to say about Liz Cheney, but let Liz Cheney at Steve Bannon yes. for an entire afternoon. I mean. I will watch I'll watch, watch all eight hours of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, in any case, on to more disappointing people. The Democrats as a Every, community. Yeah, everyone run, <laughs> running the country. Right. Um, so we have some more updates on the fallout of the SCOTUS decision, but not as many updates as you'd hope for, given how much time has passed since that decision and also how much time has passed since we knew that decision was coming. Well, there was an article in the Washington Post that we're going to quote in a little bit because it had a very maddening quote in it about like what the, what the president seems to think is at issue here. But um, it was about the sort of tumultuous two weeks like since right. the road decision well, which you was know two this weeks took ago, them by surprise Friday. and it sounds like they were really just like mr magooing their way around trying to figure out you know they were 
answering their shoes and I mean like they, they had no idea what, what was going on there in the White House like trying to figure out what to do yeah. about this even though they'd had two months advance right notice and also we're aware that this it. case was being heard back in the fall they've had a year to figure this out but sure you know even with two right. months they could have done more right. than they've done right but we finally got somewhere that's right somewhere. we got um, a lame executive order from the White House that does really the bare minimum. And then the president got offended when activists weren't falling at his feet, thanking him for what, for an exec- executive order that, by the way, should have been ready to go the moment the decision was announced. 100%. Why did it take them two weeks to come up with this lame list of things? Right. And then on top of that, why are they convinced somehow that this would be, su- why were they convinced this right. would be sufficient for activists? This does nothing to expand or protect abortion access in states where it's banned. All it does is like vaguely protect people's privacy and come up with a bunch of task forces. Because I'm going to tell you what's in the executive order. If you want to know where important issues go to die, it's to a task force. It's to a task force. So naturally, the president (laughs) spent two weeks thinking of the idea of coming up with a task force on this. So he's directed Javier Becerra to submit a report to him in 30 days on the actions HHS is planning to take, as if Javier Becerra has any plans himself. And then also is establishing an interagency tax task force on reproductive health care access that's going to include Merrick Garland. So just a bunch of men running around with ideas about how to come up with ideas, basically. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they, as part of this... Uh, as part of this executive order, they're going to expand access to emergency com- contraception and IUDs, which is a thing that they should have done when this was even just a whisper of an idea. That, like Taking two weeks to come up with the idea of in- expanding access to IUDs is like not the answer. Also, this is maybe my TikTok brain speaking, and that's fine, because I have one, and it's going great. But I feel like there is... IUDs are very painful to uh, wow. get... And I feel like that's something that both the medical community and politicians like almost never acknowledge about them. Some of the ways in which, you know, like, sure, expand um, uh, Mifeprestone or whatever it's called, the the morning after pill, like expand, you know, plan B type contraception, sure. Um, but I think a lot of the time people think that like IUDs are solutions to these kinds, you know, to, to problems that have to do with policy problems about, you know, reproductive choice. And like, mm. as much as like, sure, have that be available to people who want it. I, it's actually like very painful to get those. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't, this is not the equivalent of allowing people to have an emergency abortion. <laughs> it's getting them right. a, a painful procedure preemptively. <laughs> like, yeah. I just... That has been driving me crazy because they've been throwing that around as a brilliant solution to this. We'll just get, get everyone IUDs. But those are really painful to get put in. They're not just like a simple solution to a problem that, you know, and, yeah. um, and know. you know, you have to go to a doctor to get them out. It's not like simple birth control. Anyway, that's a separate concern. But they specifically mention it in this, so I had to go on about it. They're going to do public education efforts to teach people about abortion. They're going to put together pro pro bono attorneys to help make sure that women are able to access the right to an abortion where it's legal. But they have no plan to provide attorneys to people who are seeking unlawful abortions, which is going to be most of the people who need attorneys. So that's frustrating. They're doing a bunch of privacy things. They're issuing new HIPAA guidance and consumer privacy stuff about accessing reproductive health services. And beefing up clinic safety. But like I said, none of these expand access to abortion or provide access to abortion to anybody in a state where it's been taken away. These are all defense moves. These are things that you do 
three weeks before the decision so that the decision will, you know, be at least inconvenient for, for the people that still have the right to an abortion. Or so that, you know, so that the um, so that you don't inconvenience the people who still have the right to the to an abortion. Yeah. It's not something this is two weeks of planning does not do this. Yield this. This is the most bare bones list of things that you could possibly imagine. Well, there's a reason for that. Yeah, it's because Joe Biden didn't want to do anything else. He didn't want to do anything else. Right. That's right. Notably. Notably, famously. Fact. And he's pretty pissed that other people do want him to do something else. Right. Yeah. Uh, All he wants okay. to do is he wants you to vote. He wants you to send your money and you yeah. to vote. And That's I don't know prepared, why. For what? Right. For what? And he's prepared to do what he's been doing for 50 years. And that's right. That's to blame the left. That's right. That's mm-hmm. and they're they're ready. They are at the ready. They mm-hmm. said it in a statement. Joe Biden's goal in responding to Dobbs is not to satisfy some activists who have been consistently out of step with the mainstream of the Democratic Party. It's to deliver help to women who are in danger and assemble and assemble a broad-based coalition to defend a woman's right to choose now, just as he assembled such a coalition to win during the 2020 campaign. There is a lot to unpack there, guys. I, I want to know how broad-based this coalition is going to be. Because well, it sounds the, like it might be a little too broad. If the, if the coalition was assembled in 2020 to deliver help to women who are in danger of losing access to abortion, I'm curious what they've been up to since they were assembled in 2020. Well, it's been hard, Brent, because they have only had a majority, but not a supermajority. Right, and so they haven't right. been able to do anything right. because That's why it's we so have hard. To vote. That's why we have to keep voting. Yeah. That's why we have to vote harder. That's, we have to vote harder next yeah. time so they can have 53 senators so that they can need 55 instead right. of 53. But also, <laughs> activists who have been consistently out of step with the mainstream of the Democrat... Abortion activists? Who... Is more in step with the mainstream of the Democratic Party than abortion activists. Thankfully, he was rightfully dragged for this. Because, I mean, it's infuriating. And that's the one thing that, like, has, I mean, not made me happy. Because nothing has made me happy right. about this. And I think maybe I said something to this effect on the last podcast. But even, I think, throughout his presidency, nobody is buying any of his entire failures as being the fall of the left. Yes. Which, Which is has great. heartened me to a degree. Right. Because, yeah. like, you... Any thinking person reads this and be like, are you freaking joking me, guy? Yeah. Like this? Really? This? No. Mm-hmm. Like nobody, nobody is going along with this assessment of the situation. Not one single no. person. And in fact, abortion activists were pissed. Well, it's like they're now on the line to do all of this work of delivering reproductive health care to people themselves, basically. Right. Because he's like, because he doesn't want to do it. Because he doesn't want to do it. And they're, you know, they're being left holding the bag because they actually do need to help people get this care. And he's sort of like, it's annoying that you want to, you know, that, that I'm, I'm never good enough for you guys, am I? Yeah. And it's like, well, if this is all you've been up to, then yeah, you're not ever going to be good enough for us. How could you be? Um <sighs> But also part of it is he just hasn't seemed that engaged in this or interested in it. And he finally gave a speech where he sounded sort of mad, but then had a huge prompter flub. And that distracted everyone. So no one even remembers that that speech happened, aside from him having to repeat prompter directions. (laughs) Poor Joe Biden. This is a classic Joe Biden move to flub his big orating moment. Part but, of me blames whoever entered that into the prompter, though, because, like, you also have to know that, no, like, Know Joe your Biden, prompter reader. I was going to say, Joe Biden is not a person who, like, is inserting the things. His own brain is... My brain barely does that. Yeah. Um, so, like... And just because... His well, definitely no one in the executive branch right now, because Kamala Harris has been running around delivering nothing but nonsensical circular remarks to every question that she's asked in every yeah. context. It, no one is worse at public speaking right now than Kamala Harris. In any case, look... 
everyone, we're, it's all going terribly. And Joe Biden's doing nothing. And the reason that we brought my mother on here is because she has settled into a, um, a, a new kind of framework for her activism, which we talked about in the aftermath of all of this. And that was to sow the seeds of chaos wherever you can. And so she did a little brainstorming for us to come up with some ideas about what kinds of things we can like actually do in this post-Roe world. You know, we keep being told to just like vote and then like give money to people. And, you know, no one seems to have any real sense of what other actions you can take. And if there's anyone who knows how to take an action that's not those two things, it's Carla Nordstrom, my mother, who it, even against her own will sometimes takes actions. I was literally, <laughs> I was saying to somebody else in our family um, that, you know, you're the kind of person who you will be on the phone with me telling me you never want to hear from the Democrats again and you're never going to do any of this work again. And then, like, while you're on the phone with me, we'll, like, compose an email about a meeting you're going to hold to, like, organize <laughs> something. <laughs> like... That's, you know, you, you always seem to have like a step in mind, even against your own will sometimes. So what can we do? So I went and, you know, I was trying to figure out what we can do. And you had, you had given me this idea about, you know, chaos that, in fact, yeah. I now say to people, I'm no longer a progressive. I'm a chaos person. <laughs> and, 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 I, and then I say, it's a movement that's coming out of California. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I th the first thing I think with this battle, and um, this is a battle I've been through on all ends of it. I mean, right. not all. I mean, you know, just um, pre-row and then through row and all of that. Um, is you got to take care of yourself if you're going to get into this because it's very disheartening and very upsetting. And right now, the young women I've met, and it's interesting, the young women I've met are at when it first came out, the news first came out, were in tears. And the old, older women, women of my age I met, were ready to punch anybody's lights out who came along. <laughs> really, really angry. And actually, what I'm going to do, what I'm doing in my community is I'm trying to bring these two groups of people together because I think we could learn a lot from each other. Um, just yeah. in that. But so the first thing I did to take care of myself is I had made up a playlist of women's songs when this was in the air, when, you know, back in May, when we were all supposed to start thinking of it. Because Lara and I go to this dance party from London on Zoom on Sundays. And I, so I put, I did the, 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 the playlist. And I, so I looked for songs that have to do with uh, liberating women and, you know, uh, women, uh, feminism and that type of thing. What was kind of interesting about it, a lot of the songs were country and Western songs. And I came away from this thingy. I had no idea these women were so angry. And they, they, they were so angry. So I made up this list. It's like 48 minutes long and it's all women singers. And when I play it with my headphones on my phone, where I, so I can really hear it, it just gives me so much energy and I start, you know, like when I'm walking, if I listen to it when I'm walking, because I listen to it a lot, you know, it pick, I pick up my speed. If I'm in the kitchen doing the dishes, I get I get really excited. And then when I when I'm finished listening to it, I start to get ideas and I start to think, well, we could do this. We could do that, whatever. And I found it really helpful for just setting me up for the fight. Can so we share that with people? The playlist? Yeah. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, we can share. Yeah, yeah, we'll put it in the show has, notes. Okay, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, I have it. Right. Um, so that was the first thing with taking care of yourself. Then the second thing with taking care of yourself that I thought of is you have to be very careful about criticizing other people's ideas of actions. And this already in my own family has caused a big problem. I did it and my sister did it. And now who knows if we'll ever talk again because it just... <laughs> we spoke today, but sure. That's yeah. We all spoke today. <laughs> right, but, but what happens is that at this point, there is so much wrong and there's so much that needs to be done. And I think, Lila, you were the first one who said, we've just got to throw everything we can against the wall. Do and we all can't, the things. We have to do all the things. And your idea may sound crazy and someone else's idea may seem brilliant. And it may be the crazy idea that works and the brilliant idea that doesn't work. But you have to accept the fact that people are going to have different approaches to it because it's a very, you know, it's a very emotional thing. And you just, yeah. you know, accept that fact that people are going to have other ideas. And instead of saying, oh, but that could never happen, you know, say, okay, great, go for it. You know, I'll join you when it's a real thing or whatever. Uh, and then the third thing with that, with taking care of yourself, is one of the things that happens with these, when you start coming up with ideas, is people say, oh, well, what about, oh, that can't work because what about, what about, what about? Right, what about-ism. What about-ism. And so you really have to, you know, Train yourself to say, I don't care. You know, I, you know, my idea is if somebody gets into what about, say, okay, sit down and write it a hundred times and then come back to me about it. You know, like in school. I mean, because it, it's, it's not helpful to anybody. But those people who raise it, raise it because they think we have to be, pro you know, we have to be serious about this and practical about this and we can only do things that work. Well, and I think that so many people say that because they, they they think that there's like systems that we have to stick to, right. or that right. or it's that protecting are, the system, or the protecting the system, or that are allowing us specifically to not do something because we can't do X, Y, or Z. But like those are all systems that either can be changed or should be changed or are made up in a way that like don't need to be followed. So it's like right, right, yeah. I mean, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, we're really they. They took something that they had promised us. They took it away from us. So it doesn't, you know, every, everything, anything you do is not as bad as that. Right. There's no <laughs> rules. They yeah. broke the rules. They right. broke, they broke the, the trust. There's no social right. contract because they broke it. So no. we right. can exactly. do whatever exactly. we want. Yeah, find Brett Kavanaugh at Morton's Steakhouse, right. for God's well, sake. Yeah. Don't let right. him have his dessert. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, what I want to do with Brett Kavanaugh is I want to go to his house and all of those Supreme Court justices and just walk along the street until I get to the house and then turn around and walk backwards by their house and then turn back around. <laughs> because, you know, you know, it's silly stuff, but you know, if little old ladies went and did that, suddenly somebody would say, oh my God, what's going on there? All these little old ladies are walking by and they turned around and went backwards by their house, you know? Yeah, I like it's, it. Yeah, it's, a, it's a I thing. Mischief. You're mischief. Like, why not make mischief? Make mischief, yeah. right. So I, I came up with some ideas and I, I, I know they all say send money and I don't agree with that approach because when people send money, then they, they don't do anything else. And right. this is really a time when we all have got to be activated. So saying that, I would say the first thing or one thing you can do is support 
the women who are in those states and need to get out of those states in a timely manner to have an abortion. Right, so, like abortion funds. Abortion funds for women who, you know, for you know, for for women who are need to to go somewhere else to have an yeah. abortion. And you may not be able to send the money, so figure out a way that you can help them. Um, I think people have been offering their homes. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, and I've there's seen, been this like, like weird net- networks of people offering their homes for people who are traveling right. to their state. Yeah. Yeah, and there's yeah. usually there's like organizations that help kind of put those people in touch in a way that's safe yeah. for everyone because obviously you don't want to put anyone else in danger either. Um, right. So there's right. like organizations that are not explicit. They're not advocacy organizations that are explicitly designed to like help create those informal networks to like get women out of those states and right make and, sure and, that they can and get who are not. Care. They're not using the money for their own benefit, but are using the money for the actual. um, Well, and this is something that you, you know, this is something that happened before Roe as well, because this, it was one of these kinds of informal networks. That's how you got an abortion before Roe. I mean, yeah, yeah, that that these are, these are, this is an old tactic that people were employing before Roe because it was the only way to access care for a lot of people. Right. In fact, if you, there's a, a documentary on, um, HBO, I believe, called The Janes. Oh, yeah. And those, oh, that's right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's really worth seeing because those women actually learned how to give abortions. That's the right. way it was before Roe, that they realized that that women, the situation was so unsafe for women that they learned how to do it so that women could have safe abortions. They started out arranging for them, but then they finally reached the point where the, they were the only ones who would do them. Well, and I think it was someone, maybe I was talking to you about this, but I think I saw this on Twitter, um, that somebody had said that one of the most inspiring things about that Jane documentary was learning that they all hated each other. And yeah, they just did it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't hear that part. I mean, I didn't see that. In There's it. Some, maybe that's a, there are multiple Jane documentaries about the Jane. So maybe that's yeah, that not that one. Another one. Yeah, but, the, but the I mean, that's useful information you don't have to like the people you're doing the work with. you just have to do it what i found most fascinating is i felt like i knew every one of those women that was interviewed because they they were in chicago i was in new york but basically they were my friends and it was so it was so intriguing to see that because i kept saying wait do i know that person from and i didn't because there were so many of us doing that but it was from that era and uh, yeah so that's one thing Another thing is, you know, there's been talk about a national walkout of women and, you know, where they don't work and they don't do anything for a day. And I think if you can support that and if you can find out how that's going, do it. I mean, that that would be well, that's something that could be done at the state level, too. In, in like, I feel like a lot of people are, you know, like worried about that because it's just hard to get Americans to do anything as a collective because it's a big country and it's a very diverse country and it's, you know, difficult to arrange something like that. But those are the kinds of actions that you can organize at whatever level you have the ability to organize them at. And this is, and we've, it's, it's, it's been women to a large degree who have done some of those recent labor strikes whether it was teachers the teachers the, yeah, you, yeah the teachers have done it Starbucks nurses have done it and yeah. i'm certainly not saying that like all, both of those professions are are all women but certainly largely both of those yeah. pre- professions are and those have been some of the most successful 
yeah, strikes of the last 10, 15 years that we've had in the labor movement. So yeah, like, yeah. We, it's it's not so far-fetched to yeah. think that that could be done. I don't right, know. and it's, it actually could be done. You could start it and do it state by state, and you could start it in a state where abortion is legal and everything's fine. Yeah. And, yeah. you yeah. know, you could start it in Vermont where you could get, you know, you mm-hmm. could, where you could get, get everyone to do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but but it's there's there's real value in that approach to well, show. And I think people. we learned from those teacher strikes that um, movements like that spread. They do. Yes. Not all of those were in. Uh, I, I if I remember there correctly, there were not unions in all I, those states. No, and they were also in. I feel like it was Oklahoma and oh, Arizona, yeah, it was Arizona, or West Virginia. I, it, yeah, right. it was. It was not like, as if these were like liberal strongholds that no, have, like, not like at you said, all. huge labor. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, so, and in fact, yeah. one of them, I believe, they wouldn't have anything to do with the teachers' union because the teachers' union wouldn't represent. The, you know, was well, yeah, no it, surprise. There was there were enough. ones that did it. That they had a they had a teacher strike without a union. <laughs> yeah, they were just having a teacher yeah. an independent teacher strike. Yeah, 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 right. And there's also there's also you know, I mean, we've had these women's marches and that there, I mean, there's, I feel like there's a system also that like could get yeah. the word out on some yeah. of these things yeah. too. I think that's a great idea because yeah. it sounds, it sounds like a lot, but it also like feels doable. Yeah. Yeah. When it feels doable, once you stop envisioning it as a national day. Right. Yeah. I right. think that's where people get, is they're like, well, this will never happen. And it's like, maybe that won't ever happen. But if every woman in, you know, Georgia stayed home one day, that would be a pretty big deal. Yeah, big deal. You know? Yeah. 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 Then you get to other things. Now, these are, you know, you have to figure out how to do them and you have to figure out who to get involved, you know, how to get involved in this. One of the first things that needs to be done is Clarence Thomas needs to get off the Supreme Court. And the thing is, I think how you start that, and it's already started, move on, has a petition and all of that. And the reason for him being put off the Supreme Court at this point is because his situation is very compromised because of the actions of his wife. And the exactly. fact that he did not recuse himself from cases that involved January 6th. So, I mean, that's a yeah. no-brainer. And so yeah. with that, I think that you first go to to members of uh, Congress and say, you have to talk him into leaving. And the thing yeah. is, that's not that far-fetched. That, that idea, everyone says, oh, you're going to do that. But the thing is, it's actually to his benefit at this point to leave. Because yep. he is, because he's so compromised. And it could be put to him that if you don't leave, this is right. what we're going to do to your legacy. Yeah, we'll impeach you. Right. We're yeah. going to impeach you, and your legacy is going to be worth nothing. And you are going to be yeah. known as the only Supreme Court justice who was ever impeached. Because that is, that whole, his whole situation is different, a little different from the others. But I think that. That you start with that, and if he's, you know, if he digs it's low hanging fruit. It's he's, low. He was involved fruit. in an attempted coup. Like yes, I, yes, <laughs> he was, and I that's think that's an easy gonna, one. Yeah, we're going to find out that he was more involved than we thought, and Probably. that his wife was much more involved than we thought. And that's even easier than look. Those other justices, they lied about, you know, they lied on the stand about whether they would overturn they Roe. They also and, prayed with some of these and, people who but we found they, out this exactly, last week. Like, but they yeah. prayed with these people. Yeah. Like, I think you can start with Clarence Thomas because he's got January 6th issues, and right. that's an yeah. easy get. But yeah. the other ones are sitting ducks, too. You could go for too. the other ones, too. Like, yeah, why not? no, right. And the thing is that if you can at least get Clarence Thomas off the bench now, and the Democrats aren't jerks, you can actually rebalance the bench. 
And the thing is, with rebalancing it at this point, this would be a very easy way of taking care of the situation. Because if you rebalance it now, Roberts will go with the left as opposed to the right because he law the the right have no use for him. And I actually you know his legacy. Yeah, you know what, Carla? I think this is actually a really good idea. I mean, of course, it's a good idea, but (laughs) I think it's a good idea because it's also a good idea for Biden. Because he's so against... He doesn't want to expand the court. He doesn't want to court pack. He doesn't want to expand the court. He doesn't want to... And so this would just really just allow him one more justice. He could even put a freaking moderate on there. He will. If he wanted to. And he will. So that's (laughs) fine. But you're absolutely right. Because because Roberts didn't want to join that and when he well, didn't he, did he i don't I, No, he did he yeah he, he did he, well he, he did but he, he did he, he, did, he, didn't, want, he didn't want it to go but he wants, as far he as doesn't it. want to be remembered his <laughs> yeah he, right. he he believes in the court and it yeah. is yeah. he wants Robert his legacy court. to be protected yeah. he wants yeah, his it, legacy it'll, protected. right it allows everyone who air quotes believes in the court to to Can, win, right? right. Roberts right. wins, Biden right. wins, like everybody right. Yeah. wins. And, and they so, don't have to deal with any of the Trump people. Yeah. Because who uh, fucking cares? Like Clarence Thomas is not their appointee. He's not their guy. He's only their guy because he helped them overthrow the government. Yeah. But he's not yeah. their yeah. guy because yeah. they appointed him. They Their legacy doesn't rest on him. No. But, but also, you let the other ones know you're coming after them next. Well, yeah. So that, yes. Because right. lying before, in public, you know, in the public, before the people of the country is not that, you know, that, that's, you can't have that. And also, the thing well, is, they were under oath. They were, they under, were oath. under oath. They were under oath. And it's and an amateur were, move. Yeah. It's, it's totally not, the reason literally like that credible Supreme Court justices, including assholes like Scalia, didn't do that is because that's like lawyer judge 101. <laughs> lawyer yeah. judge 101. Yeah. But I mean, like, you don't lie under oath at your hearing because you don't want to be impeached. Yeah. And this is like, this is just not how even the assholes of the court operate. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So that that's with the court, you just start, you know, picking them off because they're very pickable because the thing is, so many of them were put on the court by unelected presidents. And, right. you <laughs> know, they're, they're, that's, that's a whole other thing. Um, right. Okay, so then another thing is, um, what you do is this, I, and people call me ageist and how terrible it is to be ageist. And I would like to say to them, try being old and see what age, you know, what happens <laughs> with ageism. Um, in the House of Representatives, they have got to get rid of the octogenarians. It's yes. just outrageous. The fact that the average age of the three top people in the House, Nancy Pelosi, Steny Hoyer, and James Clyburn is Clyburn. 82. And you average. That's the average. And if you add in the next two people, Catherine Rice and um, and Jeffries, Kim Jeffries. Kim Jeffries, who are in their 50s, the average age is 71. <laughs> and there are two there are a couple of problems with these people. One is they are <laughs> You know, they're institutionalists and they believe that the institution works and it's not. It's just totally dysfunctional at this point. Um, They do have, you know, we do have this crazy thing where we do have a total radical who's an 80 year old man in the Senate. I mean, (laughs) right. Mitch McConnell has no problem blowing the whole thing up. 
I mean, yeah. he yeah. is as radical as you come. And he is as anti-institutionalist as you can be. Yeah. But, you know, they are, they are, they, that's, that's not, you know, that's the Republicans problem. That's not my problem. And I think well, Republicans have, are not above having radical old people. It's only Democrats right. that seem right. to get more institutionalist right. in their old age. Yeah. yeah. But then the other part of that is that I, as an older person who is retired, thinks anybody who doesn't retire when they're given the opportunity to retire is a dysfunctional person. <laughs> because why would you do that when you can go and have a perfectly wonderful life and, you know, be with your grandchildren and- I am ready for retirement I mean, tomorrow. I, I know, Constantly I know, try to retire. I know. So what is there, they have a real serious problem if they don't understand- yeah, it's a mental illness. It's a mental illness. It's like greed. It's a mental illness. Well, so yeah, somehow we've got to figure out. It's not out, like greed. Yeah. <laughs> it's literal. It is greed. Yeah. But we've got to figure out how to move them out. So then, so that's one thing. And then another one is, because um, I have my list here, I have to look at it. Um, sure. the states, The states that are anti-abortion, for the most part, are receiver states, uh, except for maybe Texas. And the other states are donor states. So that if you live in California or New York, you're paying much more to, in taxes than if you live in, um, in Alabama or Mississippi. Right. And right. your federal tax dollars go out to other states. They right. don't all come back to you. Exactly. We are subsidizing these states. And mm -hmm. we've got to look again at how that, you know, if they're not going to play by the rules, basically, which they're not, and if they're going to treat women in the way they're treating women, then we have to decide, are we really, do we really want to subsidize these states? And I maintain that probably you'd find the people in, in, the, in the donor states would say, no, you know, why, we shouldn't be subsidizing these states. What if we start proposing federal policy that, um, that states that limits how much of a state's tax dollars can be spent on people that don't live in that state or something like what if one of the like um sort of aggressive policy moves that we start to see coming out of the left and they wouldn't do this because the left cares about people is the problem yeah but maybe the middle uh, tax yeah. haters whatever yeah. Yeah. um is is a move where federally where you're federally like mandated to like you know to to ensure that tax dollars provided by a certain state a certain percentage of you know, no more than a certain percentage can go to another state or can go to residents of other states or something like that. Sure. That like, what if that became a policy point we started talking about? Because yeah. I think the problem is that like at the state level, we don't have the power to do anything about it. But our federal representatives could be talking about mm -hmm. it. And maybe it's never even a credible idea, but I think it would be scary but to it, people, even if we yeah, just started mentioning it. It needs to be talked about. A lot of these yeah. ideas are things that need to be talked about. You, yeah. Another one is we've got to start taxing the churches. The churches yes. are what created this situation. And they're supposed, the reason why they get these tax benefits is because they're not supposed to be political. And this, mm -hmm. the, you know, the uh, evangelical churches are totally are political. And there's explicitly. no reason. Yeah. And there's no reason we should be giving them tax breaks. So that's another one. We've got to put it in the, in the ether and say, you what know, is the only uh, churches that are able to maintain their tax exempt status at the end of this are the Church of Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> I 
perfect. That would be perfect. That would be, you know, that, that would be a What riot. if that's how this all ends? Yeah, right, right. But we, we, we should be talking about these things because these yeah. things yeah. are threatening totally. to those people. And they do, they get a it little is. nervous when you start saying, well, you know, we shouldn't be donating all this money to your states, your loser state that doesn't even respect women. Or, you know, your churches, we should not be um, doing text. Right, subsidizing your churches. your churches. And so, and yeah. then another one, and these are not, there are many more, but these are just to so oh, chaos. You're, you're um, having an idea day. It's, yeah. Um, is to um, to join the Texas secessionist movement. Even though supposedly, oh, this is my favorite one of yours. This is so good. Yeah, I mean, even though supposedly they they aren't they can't do it. They've said they want to do it, and I think those of us let them. Yeah, let's help them. I... We should say, look, anything we can do to make it happen, we are there for you. <laughs> we are totally. You know, and if you want to take some of your friends along, that's fine with us. Yeah, you can yeah. have Oklahoma. We'll throw them in. Absolutely. And, and, you know, this is it. We'll give you a special If you're looking deal. for Mississippi, yeah, we'll right, give you a deal right. on right. Mississippi. Because, right. um, but that, it's you know. It's a fire sale on Mississippi. Right, 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 exactly. And then the other one, of course, is your friend's idea of cutting off electricity in the Supreme that's Court so because, good. you know, they, they didn't have it back in the, you know, yeah. So so let's let's back, back let's really candles. insist on a originalist interpretation. Back to candles of, and calligraphy. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That'll yeah. Let's take away their computers too while yeah. we're at it. I mean, yeah. they can't. But I think another thing is we've got to have long-term goals in this all. Yes. And well, basically, with the long-term goals, if they're going to take a, away something that we, you know, expect that we are entitled to then we, our goal has to be to get what we want and not just yeah. fix this problem. And so, to get them back, right, to get things back. Right, right. but one of them is we but need But more to, than that, because well, what we actually that, yeah, want no, is opposed yeah. to what yeah. we settle for. I mean, yeah. we, we want yeah. Medicare for all. Well, we're going to have all these poor children who nobody's going to be taken care of, so they need to be taken care of, and so then everybody needs to be taken care of. Yeah. So we yep. should be looking. Well, and for also, this. I don't want just the right to an abortion. I want the right to a free abortion. Yeah. You well, know exactly. Like instead of asking just for the right to have one, right? We should be demanding the right to have one and have it paid for. But they're basically <laughs> like, saying they're going to be bringing many more children into our society, and so yeah, they have got to have medical pay medical care they've got to be taken care yeah. of and yep. so right they have to have food they have to have housing they have to have educations all i mean that. it's so expensive to them, raise kids all of that money it's two hundred eighty-five thousand dollars from birth to 18. totally right so yeah. a new thing a new thing that and i was going to ask you about this that i have been reading various things about that i have been loving is that if you know women are forced to if 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 a fetus is now an actual child right it's right. a right. human then like I, there was a woman, I think, who got pulled over in Texas oh, yes. recently. My dad was, sent me this article, Who was yes. driving in the carpool lane because she was pregnant. Right. right? Yes. And right. I think. Where are um, these tax benefits? Tax benefits. Like, We're not getting that rebates? A, that's, that's a dependent now, right? right? Because I, I love all of that. Oh, yeah. Like, if you can all think of mischief. any more of those things, like, yeah. I, yeah. I'm super into that, yeah. too. Because yeah. that's a, a level of mischief that right. is right. Right. delightful. Um, yep. Another thing we have to do, though, is we have to get rid of the Electoral College. Because now well, yeah. we know why we can't have that. Yeah. You know, the yeah. only reason this happened is because we let two people become president of the United States who did not. Right, who lost the election. Who lost the election. 
Yeah. And we cannot, this, this, and, and we can now say the reason we know it doesn't work is because right, because yeah. we, we also know that's right, the court isn't representing the will of the people right. we know yeah. the will of the people is the opposite of all of this yeah that's the right. thing that it's like that that's i think what's been so that's breaking everyone's brain and making them feel so helpless is the fact that this is it's not like we can be like oh people in our society are so terrible because that's not really the problem the problem is not your neighbors being terrible the problem right. is that the government is not representative of the people it's claiming to represent and that's a different kind of problem and it it can feel very uh disempowering to face a problem like that because that's fascism that's not the problem of having to convince your neighbors you know to change their mind your neighbors minds are already changed it, right. the, the problem is not that a majority of Americans don't think that it should be your right to have an abortion. Right. The problem is that there's no, you know, representation of that anywhere in government. And the people that are being paid to represent you are not doing their job. And then also they're being overridden anyway by an unelected court that is like three steps into not being representative because it was like oh. unelect, unrepresentative people selected those people non-democratically. And like, you know, yeah. I mean, we're not even like we're it's we're just in like funny farm craziness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then aside from that, we've got to get, you know, the child tax credit back, anything that has to do with children and families, any money that has to because, you know, they just created a societal problem. And we can't just sit back and, you know, and say, well, yeah, okay, you know, we're we're just going to let all of this stuff go by without paying for it. And so, so those are my my ideas and there are plenty more ideas i'm sure the the uh choice to have ideas is one that a lot of people have not been making recently that's what i was going to say i feel like well and even just sort of like i think sitting around and discussing these things like i I mean this felt like i mean certainly carla you had all of the ideas to bring to to this podcast (laughs) here certainly but but just talking to you has also sort of like made me be thinking about these things. Do you well, know what I mean? I feel like yes. just sometimes being like at the right, you know, choosing I'm sounding che- cheesy here, but like sometimes like having community, you know, over yeah. these issues yeah. is also yeah. really important yeah. because like this just felt like a really healthy brainstorming session <laughs> to me. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think the problem is that I don't think that, and I think this is especially true of a lot of people who are sort of like in part of, you know, in the more mainstream democratic world, they're not really given permission to like brainstorm. Like I think. Right. They're not thinking outside of the box because they're so committed to the box. Right. This, all of the things that either, that both my mom and I have ever done have started with completely ridiculous things that we've done. (laughs) I mean, I started Sty Health because I went to an anti-war protest and just introduced myself to a bunch of politicians about an issue they didn't care about that wasn't the reason that they were there that no one had ever heard of. Like. Like, that's in and that's a ridiculous thing to do. It wasn't necessarily guaranteed success. It was just like a thing that I was like, well, we're all here. And like that's I mean, you know, our block association started because my mom was going to buy birthday cakes for everybody in the, you know, huge shelter down the street. Like these the sometimes just having ideas helps you get started on something. And I think people really aren't given permission. The political discourse and specifically the democratic political discourse doesn't encourage people to try stuff or have wild ideas. And I think that's what it's like. As wacky as ideas are, you always learn something. Right. But with the birthday cake idea, we learned, we thought we were dealing with a shelter of 300 people, but we learned that 500 people were there. (laughs) And that was useful information to have. Yeah. That's these like having 
having crazy ideas and then just trying them maybe doesn't work, but it also is valuable experience. And it seems like a lot of people don't really have um, experience getting valuable experience because they haven't really been invited to, no. to sort of rely on their own skills and rely on their own ideas. Because these are not ideas that it requires some deep understanding of the political system to have. Right, right. These yeah. are ideas that it requires reading the newspaper to have. And what I think is empowering is that you can invite yourself to have them anyway, knowing that, because and oftentimes you'll be told by people who don't know any better than you, oh, the, you know, that can't work because of blah, 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 or that's whatever. But like, those people don't know any better. They're, they're working off the same information you're working off of. Yeah. I mean, I'm so frequently told that things that I did all the time as an advocate are things that can't that you can't do for whatever reason that you know that are that are common knowledge in the advocacy community and it's because people don't know yeah yeah, yeah. well and also coming up with an insane idea and then putting it into practice is the entire story of America the, the Republican party well America certainly <laughs> in but general. I mean like I mean the opposition yes. party that's what they're doing professionally yes so like they're dreaming big and making their dreams come true so as the, i said repeatedly so, so the idea so the idea story. that the idea that we shouldn't be doing that is just letting them win and yeah. we don't right. nobody's wants that to happen no exactly right. yeah i think that's the the and that's really i think been the misstep of the democratic party's messaging as well it's really just and aoc pointed this out and that's why everyone was lauding her for having the only appropriate response to any of this is she pointed out that it's incredibly disempowering to tell people that all they can do is vote and then not even show them that voting works yeah like <laughs> yeah. you you know it it's incredibly dis why would anyone vote if this is what voting gets you is uh, the plea for two more senators every time that there's any crisis. And as we pointed out before, they needed two more senators when they had 60 for reasons that I can't <laughs> identify. So like these people have been perpet they're perpet perpetually short of two senators. It doesn't matter how many senators they have. So like that's not actually going to solve the problem. What could solve the problem is people trying to have ideas. I th that's the Democratic Party tagline. Perpetually De too Democrats, short. <laughs> perpetually too senator short. <laughs> oh, man. In any case. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that is the, uh, the message we all move forward with, is just the invitation to have ideas, right. even think, if they're think wild. Think big. Think big. Yeah. 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 And tell everyone your crazy ideas. Yeah. Because maybe they aren't crazy. Yeah. I, you know, I feel like that Clarence Thomas idea is not crazy. No. You said it as you as one of rattling off a series of ideas, but I feel like that's actually like a very reasonable idea that, as Brent pointed out, solves multiple problems for multiple people. No. So, like, you know, you got to tell people about your crazy ideas, too. In any case, that's what we want to invite everyone to do. And then we also want to invite you to know that the economy is fake. <laughs> the other thing that we do on this podcast. Listen, I was going to come to this podcast. I texted Lila and I was both angry and elated because I really had a bombastic theory that I was going to share on this podcast and then realized it wasn't so bombastic because there was actual reporting on the theory this right. week. It was, <laughs> because, the, oh. it was the opposite of bombastic. It was the exact logic that the administration was following for because, something. Because a lot of people, and I think we had sort of hinted at this at one point when we were talking about the student loan situation and like wanting to restart the student loans because obviously the 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 plan that the administration has floated is that they were going to forgive ten thousand dollars for people who make one hundred fifty thousand dollars or less which is like the bare minimum of people that like they could possibly be helping in this situation yeah. and a lot of the left twitter right now is getting antsy about student loans because i think that he had initially said they were going to try and make some sort of decision by august obviously uh, you know, the Dobbs decision has taken the foreground of, you know, what everybody's talking about, rightfully. 
Um, but there has been sort of like some panic in the circles that panic about these things, about like what's <laughs> actually going to happen here. And I was thinking to myself, well, obviously, he, the reason that he wants to help as few people as possible is because he's so worried about inflation. And the Fed is already out there talking about how they want to keep wages down, right? Right. So openly. Like, or openly. Like, said it in public, those very words. So, like, clearly the reason that he wants to help as few people as possible and restart loan payments so people have to start making a payment is because then they have less spending money. Right. And then inflation gets fixed. That's right. And lo Once and behold, people are starving and poor, there's always less inflation. Right, exactly. And lo and behold, article in Business Insider this week titled, Biden's White House Fears Can't... Biden White House fears canceling student debt will drive inflation even higher and that restarting loan payments might help avoid that. Yeah. It's exactly what Brent said. So when you literally think about that, the plan is to make sure that the most people are screwed and have less money, money to buy things. Yes. And look, I will even contend that that might be true. Yeah. In that t- might that might help inflation. That might help inflation. But I would also ask you as a person listening to this podcast to consider that if that is in fact true that our economy can only function at its best when more people have less money to spend, that maybe we should be like thinking of again thinking of different ideas for our economy. Perhaps. Yeah. Maybe we should be brainstorming a different system. If if having a functioning quote unquote economy and this is why we don't believe that the economy is a real thing. <laughs> Because the health of the economy should not come before people's ability to feed themselves and house themselves. Right. But oftentimes, the health of the economy is justified as a reason to rob the people of their health. Right. And, like, that isn't a functional system. No. Also, we made it up so we could make up any system. <laughs> we could invent anything we wanted. Yeah, we could do anything. Yeah. We could have a different system. We, it would require brainstorming a different system, which no one seems capable of doing. <laughs> but, I mean, like, the, the economy can't be... The economy as it, as it exists is not like an immutable object that we can't change. Yeah. We made up every aspect of it. Money, it's fake. We made it up. Mm-hmm. We instill it with its own value. It has nothing to do with anything. We could just decide next week that we're as as Brazil once did. They just they were they had runaway inflation in Brazil at one point and they hired a bunch of economists to help them fix it and the solution was just to come up with a new currency that wasn't inflated. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> That's how much inflation is fake. Yeah. They just, they invented a new system, a new currency, and they just gave everyone that currency, and then inflation stopped mysteriously, <laughs> and who knows how that worked, because that's not a real thing. But whatever. Like, all of these systems are choices yeah. that we're making. And if the choice that we make is that the economy's health has to come before the health of the people the economy is designed to serve, then we need a different economy. Use the word economy differently. <laughs> In any case, um... So yeah. all your worst fears are coming That's true. Right. <laughs> we also promised that we would talk a bit about some of the election results that we have been skipping over in an effort to talk about Roe stuff. Yeah, they were June 28th, I think. Yes. Right? Yeah. And you voted, right, Mom? Yeah. I did. Yeah, you got... Oh, that's right. New York was one. Yeah, yeah, I did vote. I voted for Jamani Williams and um, yeah. Anna Maria uh, Acacia. Other yeah. people who didn't win, probably, right. unfortunately. They, they, no, they didn't win. But I, you I, didn't vote hard enough, Carla. <laughs> I know, but I, I learned something with this. I mean, I'm, in, I'm learning something with this election. I was listening to, I think it was um, the woman who's the head of the New York ACLU, uh, Donna. I think it's Donna Lieberman, but I, I can't remember. I can't remember. At any rate, she was being interviewed, and she said, um, she at the end of it, she said, oh, and be effective at the ballot box. And I thought that was such an interesting way of putting it because 
she was basically saying, vote, you know, vote the way you want to vote, but just be mindful of the implications of, um, of your vote. And so like, it freed me. I don't have to vote for Kathy Hochul or Jamani Williams. I mean, not Jamani, um, and or Antonio uh, Antonio Delgado. Yeah, because they they're going to win in New York State. There's no, you know, the the guy who's running against them for governor is proudly the says he'll be the first governor to to uh, be anti-abortion. And oh, so, yeah, the so yeah. popular choice with New Yorkers, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. Um, but I realize that I have to vote in the congressional race for the person I don't want to vote for because they, we need to keep the seat in the Democratic hands and because we have a special right. election and then a primary election. And oh my with, gosh, I know. With, with the because we have then different candidates running for the general election right, for the general in November. And I thought, well, I, I don't think I'm going to be happy with either of them. But I'll vote for the one that comes from the area with the most with, with the most voters because I think you'll have a better mm. chance. And so it's kind of helped me to to deal with that whole vote blue no matter who. And I'm just waiting right, for yeah. a Democrat to say that to me because I'm going to say you've done t- too much damage with that language and for blaming votes that were never yours. You know, yeah. like with the presidential yeah. thing with Jill Stein. Right. They that always was get mad never, at Jill Stein and yeah. Ralph Nader before yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And they yeah. don't, they never blame the, you know, they never blame the Republicans. They never blame Donald Trump for that. They never even or blame even the Libertarians who exactly. almost universally get more votes in every single state than any Green Party candidate has ever gotten. Exactly. Exactly. Gary Johnson always gets right. more votes than them. Right. But so, but this way of looking at it, of, you know, be effective at the ballot box really allows you to say, well, you know, there, you have to learn about elections and about who, you know, what's happening in different places. But you can say, well, I don't have to vote for that person because they don't need my vote. And yeah. uh, right. And also it allows you to say, like, what is my goal in voting in this election? Sure. Do I want to push this candidate to the left? Do I want right, to exactly. raise an issue? Yeah. Like, are there, you know, that's, I think, a good way it's a really good way of thinking of voting in a jungle primary system in particular sure. because you're often having to think of you it's like 45 people and you have to figure out what is my priority here yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and but thinking about okay if it's my responsibility to like understand what my goal is and also what i foresee possible outcomes being here then you know i can figure out how to be effective in that context but that doesn't always mean just voting for the most mainstream candidate yeah right exactly i think Totally. I think that's an interesting segue into talking about some of the specific results on Tuesday, because one of the ways that Democrats were trying to be effective, and it's going to be interesting to see how this bears out. The strategy works out. It hasn't worked in kind in the past. Right. Is that they sort of, they did some meddling in GOP races to try and pick the candidates that they wanted to run against. And we know that that has worked before. It worked for Claire McCaskill. She ran, essentially ran ads on behalf of Todd Aiken because she wanted to run against Todd Aiken because he was certified insane and she won that race. Of course, Hillary Clinton notably wanted to run against Donald Trump and, and here we are in a world where Donald Trump was the president. Right. So, you know, I don't know. In Illinois, the Democrats sort of got what they wanted with State Senator Darren um, Bailey, and basically what they're doing is they're trying to they're trying to pick election deniers to run against because they don't right. think in a lot of these states, certainly in Illinois, which is blue anyway, they're probably fine. But like in Colorado, they were doing the same thing. It didn't work 
there. They they got, I think, a pretty sort of like mainstream-ish Republican yeah. won the primary there. But it'll be it'll be curious to see how th- this all pans out because I have some concerns. <laughs> I do too because I feel like they seem to have a, a misunderstanding of the electorate yeah. quite frequently. Yeah. By the way, well, J.B. Pritzker in Illinois is a person who has been appropriately mad on the television. Yes. Um, and also, I think, has been traveling to New Hampshire and various places of late also. Oh, interesting. Has so, he? Yeah. Do they think yeah. J.B. Pritzker is going to be a presidential? I cannot. Some of these people have no business thinking that they should be running for. I, Listen. As mad as you can be as mad as you want on behalf of Americans after yet another terrible mass shooting. And yet, I still don't think J.B. Pritzker has yeah. what it takes. That might just be me. I could be uh-huh. wrong. I didn't think Joe Biden had what it takes, and I still don't, and he's the president, so I don't know what to say about that. Um, Um, So that was sort of like one... Yeah, and I think with that, um, one of the things is that if the Democrats are meddling in other people's elections, and in the Republican elections, then they aren't looking to get the votes for the things that they want. And so it it means that their candidates are much weaker then yeah well, because they're spending also, time on stuff that is you know that they so frequently play defense instead of offense yeah. and i think yeah. this is like a moment where they really need to be called to play offense it yeah. actually is a moment that requires some ideas yes like things are yeah. actually falling apart it's not enough to stop republicans from being as we're learning it's not enough to stop republicans from being in power you also have to ensure that you have effective democrats in power yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And so this does have a tinge of that kind of defense, strat- yeah. defensive strategy that I think they often lean on at times where they're afraid to have ideas, which is most times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Marie Newman lost. I know. Illinois, that's sad. Which is a yeah. huge bummer. Um, that was a bit of a redistricting nightmare. Well, and that was like, uh, it, was, it pitted her against another sitting member. So it was like, right. exactly. Anno- an Although, sort of out of seemingly nowhere, a progressive who was endorsed by Bernie Sanders and Chewy Garcia. Um, one in a new district in Chicago, which was drawn specifically to be more representative of the Hispanic population in that specific area in Chicago. Yeah. And s- another example of, you know, because uh, I think it's a, a Hispanic woman, I believe, one who was endorsed by, you know, the left members of the party, one, and it actually didn't end up being that close. I don't have the results in front of me, but it was, it was she won against the more moderate, I think, establishment candidate by yeah. quite a bit i I mean we lost marie newman but we're sending we also like see this all the time in the democratic presidential primaries where hispanic communities really have favored more progressive visions as democrats and then oftentimes you know these are you know latino voters can be lost to the right quite easily by being abandoned fully by the democrats all the time they're being lost to them currently but when that is in part because Latino communities that are willing to vote for Democrats are looking for progressives. They're not yeah. looking for moderate They're, bullshit. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. that's, but I, I heard that, an we interest, see that at the national level all the time. Yeah, I heard um, Robert Kudner, he has a new book out, interviewed recently. And he said that insofar as um, Congress is concerned, there's no such thing as a moderate Democrat. It's a corrupt yeah. Democrat because yeah. they're there yeah, sure. to protect the corporate structure. And yeah, yeah well, and you see that, that because and, like, some of the things that that we have taken for granted that we can't act on are universal democratic principles. 
it's not yeah. actually controversial to act on the idea of expanding the healthcare system in a way that is more equitable and affordable to people. Like, yeah. and yet we don't seem to have any consensus to do that. But Medicare for all is not controversial among Democratic voters. No. Like, you know, we see this a lot with uh, anti-war movements where, you know, oftentimes we'll see Democrats supporting military action at times that that is in no way in line with the principles of the party or the voters as, you know, yeah. as, as they exist in real life. Right. But it becomes, you know, we, we sort of accept these consensus, quote unquote, positions from them because we recognize that they're compromised and we've just decided to live with that. Just crazy. Yeah. Anyway, the most important news story of the week is just that you currently right now have COVID on you. You got to watch out, guys. You got to watch out. People are getting reinfected and it's bad. It's not great. It's... Also, I feel like there's been a, a political choice made to kind of decide that we're just going to live with it now. But that is the kind of political choice that you should not make for yourself. I think that there's a sense that people just have the sense that they're currently, you know, that that people who are still kind of adhering to COVID protocols are being reactionary and conspiracy theorists and over the top. And like when you look at the actual data, what you find is that COVID is everywhere. The new variants are quite contagious. It is still causing long COVID in up to 20% of the people who experience it. Hospitalizations are on the rise. We're potentially in, the, in a situation where LA County is gonna have to reinstate the mask mandate because of how bad things are here right now. We have, we have met or are, have almost met almost every single metric to trigger the indoor mask mandate. I think they just have to be met for a certain amount of time yeah. like they have to be like consistent over like the span of a couple of weeks but like it's about to happen this the spike here is not dissimilar from the february spike no no and it's coming right very it's happening very quickly and it's we happening have over a thousand hospitalizations in LA it's County also right happening now. to people who had covid in february yeah so like i think that there is this sense that people are just tuned out because they're over it and i get yeah. that because like it has but been also, exhausting but there are simple things yeah, that you can do like, I agree, and like I don't think that like I th I think part of the problem is that like there are the people who don't want to read anything about it, and they want right. to just go on with their lives, and they don't want to think about masking, and they don't want to they want to pretend that COVID is right, and they're offended and when other gone. people are masking right. because it reminds then, them of how much danger. And then the other people who at least are voicing their things on this are basically wanting us to like go into like permanent life down, right. lifetime lockdown. Well, and, and there's no there's no middle pro yeah. like. Can't somebody like from LA County just be like, maybe you should just wear your mask inside when you go to the grocery store. Well, and it's like, also, I, I, I think just, that these are, these extremes are causing each other because They're, part of the reason that yeah. people are starting to come up with more elaborate kinds of lockdown they want to live under is because if you're immunocompromised, there's actually nowhere safe in society for you to be right now. And yeah. we could easily make it safe for immunocompromised people to go to the grocery store. Yeah. And maybe they shouldn't be eating indoors in restaurants and that's yeah. fine. But and like it, there's right. there's ways for us to find consensus in the middle. But yeah. and also some of the things that it would require of people are easy because it's not actually yeah. hard to shop in a mask. No, that's what I was going to say. I'm just basically like still doing like the things. Doing that, all the like, things I, I was doing. Just sort of like yeah. just put your mask back on. It doesn't put me out to like spend no. 30 minutes in a mask while I'm at the grocery store. Like I don't understand. I don't. And the other thing that I do want to say is that like the the messaging 
Well, there's no messaging from the federal right. government. It, it doesn't it couldn't exist. Couldn't be. There's not. I, I found it very interesting because there was an article in the New York Times. I think it was either today or yesterday, but it's it's kind of savage actually <laughs> about Joe Biden and whether he's too old to be the president. And it seems like the consensus is yes. Um, but they talked about all the measures that are taken around him for COVID. And I get it. He's the supposed leader of the free world. He's the most powerless leader of the free world. Right. Ever <laughs> but regardless, it says aides are tested once a week and wear colored wristbands on the day of their test. If they plan to attend a meeting with the president on another day, then they must test that morning too and wear N95 masks. And I'm happy to hear all of that. Yeah. I don't have a problem with any of that. But like the idea that also coming from the White House wouldn't be like, hey, wear an N95 and take a home test before you go see grandma. Right. Like, I just don't understand. Or like, they, But they don't want to talk about it at all. Take a test they before pretend you leave quarantine right. after you've had well, COVID. I mean, hello. Yeah, I know. Yeah, what was that stat that something like 50% of people are still shedding after day five and like 25% of people are still shedding after, after day, day nine. nine and we're not asking them to retest before they go outside? Guys, that's how everybody's getting COVID. Yes, the yeah. <laughs> it's bad public health messaging. Yes, and that's... Like more than even good. Was. I was gonna say more than even good science. We've said it before. More than even good science. And this is something that my aunt Martha is somebody who first said to me. And when she said it, I was like, Oh my god! I can't believe no one's ever said this to me before. Just the most important person to hire in a public health emergency is a communications person. It doesn't even matter if you have the right science, as long as everyone's doing the same thing. You just have to. You all yeah. have to agree and have some trust in the officials that are leading you. And yeah. if things change, then they change. But like. The, the fact that we don't even have any clear messaging to the extent that I literally am talking about COVID nonstop with everyone because Nobody public knows. health messaging is a thing. I've, I've been failed before by bad public health <laughs> messaging. I'm familiar well, with this problem. Right, gonna, yeah, but, and the very people that I am walking around saying this to are also walking into grocery stores with me unmasked and not thinking about it because the messaging is all over the place. Yeah. I don't even blame them. It's just like yeah. this is this this messaging doesn't lead anyone to any consistent sense of what they should and shouldn't be doing, which is the only thing that you really need the messaging for. In any case, wear a mask. Right. And also a a friend of mine has a really good strategy for when people, you know, criticize him for wearing a mask inside or or giving Mm -hmm. him the evil eye. He coughs. Yeah, (laughs) And they back away so fast. That's what you got to do. Yeah. and, And I thought that was a very simple way of uh-huh. You know, feel free to you, cough on anyone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's always masked, but it, you know, it's, it's amazing. He says they just like, yeah, back away. Yeah. In any case, that's the news this week. Thank you for coming and spreading the gospel of Thank having you. ideas. Yeah. Um, we are going to put your playlist in the show notes. Oh, I'm excited for that. Um, and then also I'm going to share your, uh, article about your illegal abortion because I feel like that is also we referenced I I mentioned it but I also feel like that is some of the sort of like work that you have done on this issue is just being willing to share your story where a lot of your peers have not been so um so I'm gonna share that as well and then and also people should write to us with crazy ideas if they have them oh I like that we'll share them we're not above a crazy idea no you know yeah so you know if you're if you made it to the end, share a crazy idea with us anytime. We're yeah. always we're always here to listen. Uh-huh. Um, and so yeah, go out there, have ideas, and we'll talk to you next week. Do it. Bye. Bye. Bye.